What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. You know, I think if you ask everybody, they would say, yes, prayer works. But many times, probably you're like me, we find ourselves praying as a last resort rather than a first instinct. Today in this episode of Lynch with a Leader, we get to sit down with Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands and talk about why to pray first. And I tell you what, it could change your life. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put us. Here in episode 159, we get to talk about really one of the most powerful tools we all possess as a follower of Christ, and that is prayer. And it's not something to relegate it to just Sunday mornings. It is something that can be an active part of our lives, hour by hour, day by day. And you are going to love this episode. We have had a great year so far, and I just want to say thank you to each of you that have stopped to leave a rating or leave a review. This just came in on iTunes from SES. Schultz 86, no matter what the message, no matter what the who the leader, you'll always take away something you can apply to enrich your life. Mike is an amazing leader, and I'm so grateful he gives us time to create tools like this podcast to continue to help others. Thank you. Thank you for leaving that rating and review. That really does mean a ton. And so if you get a chance to do that, it does help others find their way to us. Well, Let's get settled in. Pastor Chris Hodges is one of America's greatest leaders. He's a thought leader. He's an amazing pastor. He gets it. And in this book, his new book, Pray First, you will read so much that you'll go, yeah, I feel that way too. And it gives you some tools for your toolbox to help you be the leader that you were created to be and to access this thing called prayer that's right there for us. So I don't know where you're listening from. I don't know what all you've got going on, but I know this, you're going to be better for this episode. So I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my time with Pastor Chris Hodges. Well, Pastor Chris, thank you so much for joining me again on Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. Thank you, Mike. I had such a great time last time. It's good to be on again. Well, it is always so fun to talk to you. I love you for a lot of reasons. Number one, you're incredibly authentic. I think that's why people are captivated by your messages, by your leadership, by who you are always precedes what you do. As a pastor, as you look back on your spiritual journey and being a follower of Christ, what's the journey of prayer? You've got a brand new book on prayer. What's the journey of prayer been like for you? Well, grew up in church. I've literally been in church my entire life. I was in I was in church the Sunday after I was born. My parents were very involved 
uh, church members in the Baptist church we grew up in and never missed. If you were sick, you didn't miss, you know, just get a bag and go to church and throw, you can throw <laughs> up in the bag, you know? And, and so that's the, kind of the culture I was raised in and very healthy, strong church. Um, I really wasn't a follower of Jesus, but I loved my church. Mm -hmm. I can say it that way. And, um, but I grew up in it. And of course, you know, you're not going to go without hearing about prayer, and in, and in those days, you know, really everything to me, prayer was was things you memorized or you know, they were, you know, before meals. There was it was nothing relational about prayer. It wasn't definitely wasn't a conversation with God. And so I always knew I needed to pray, but I always found it one of the most difficult parts uh, of my faith. And all of us have had those awkward yep. moments, you know, where someone calls you on, the, on you to pray, you weren't prepared. Now you've got to come up with material. You're wondering what everybody's thinking about you, things like that. And so when I really gave my life to Jesus um, as, a, as a sophomore in high school, um, and when I say gave my life to Jesus on fire for God, just really fell in love with the Lord. I started getting discipled about prayer and they were giving, setting the bar way too high for me. They were talking about, you know, praying an hour. And I'm like, man, I had like five minutes worth of material. There's, this, <laughs> there's definitely not an hour worth of material inside of me. And so very, very challenged by that. And, and it was there that the, 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 the great people who were discipling me as a high school student taught me patterns of prayer, using the mm -hmm. Lord's Prayer, not just as a rote or reciting prayer. You know, if you did that, that's it's a 26-second prayer. But what would it look like if you used the elements of the Lord's Prayer to guide you through seven elements of prayer to, to, to direct us and, and use it as an outline instead of a prayer itself? And, um, and I started growing in that. And honestly, it became one of the most enjoyable parts of my Christian faith. So it went from this thing that I was kind of dreading, knew I needed to do, but dreaded to something that I actually looked forward to starting my day with. And honestly, having an ongoing conversation with God all day long. What would you say to the average, you've got so many business leaders that sit at Church of the Highlands and corporate leaders and business leaders and coaching leaders and school leaders who go, I'm really good at what I do, but I feel so inadequate about talking to God. What would you want them to know that you've learned through these years of, of this relational aspect of prayer? Again, I think religion and church has set a bar that God does not have or set an ex expectation that God does not have. So everyone's trying to wax eloquent. A lot of times we feel the need to even put it in a King James version and use fancy words when really what God desires is an ongoing conversation. Prayer is just a conversation with God, no different than the text conversations you have all day long with your spouse or your buddies it's no different than the conversations that we're having right now. It's just, mm -hmm. it's what's on my heart. And everybody knows how to do that. So when you lower the bar to, no, 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 you don't have to wax eloquent. You don't have to say it the right way. God's not looking for formality. He's looking for your heart. That when, when you lower that bar and then teach them that God is someone who, again, just wants to be in a more of a relationship, a conversation, I call it, with God, then it becomes way easier. Because if I say, well, it, if you could talk to God, what would you tell him? Like, what would you like for him to know? And the things they start telling me, I'm saying, hey, 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 that's prayer. <laughs> this is what it looks like. You know, when you were just explaining to me what's on your heart, 
that's the way God would like to hear it as well. You know, in our lives, we have our highs and we have our lows. When you've been at your highest points and you've been at your lowest points that you talked about in your last book that we talked about out of the cave. Right. How have your prayers looked different in those seasons in your journey when things were just crushing and going great? And when it felt like you didn't have another friend in the world, how did your prayer life differ for you in those years? Yeah, I think for everybody, your prayer life is very different when you're in a crisis when you're in those lowest of lows, we even saw that recently when that NFL athlete, right. you know, his heart stopped in the middle of the field. Everyone dropped to their knees. Everyone prayed. I mean, my goodness, they actually prayed a prayer in Jesus name on national TV. Uh, ESPN yep. anchors were were calling on the name of the Lord uh, for help in that situation. So I think there is this 9-11 kind of, mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, the whole world is burning down. I call it the last resort prayers and we're all good at last resort prayers one of the theses of the book mike is that prayer should be our first response right. not our last resort what if what would it look like if we were praying those prayers on the front end while things were going good and we all have a tendency that while things are going good actually we're not praying at all so we almost view god as a i'll let you know when i need you kind of a God. That's right. And he doesn't, he doesn't really want to be that no more than your spouse would want that. Hey, honey, I'll let you know when I need you. I don't, mm. I don't really want to hang out with you now. Everything's going great. If I need something to eat or, you know, if I need somebody to go out on a date with, I'll let you know. Well, no one wants to be in a relationship with God like, like that and neither does God. And so I, I think there is a big difference between our highest of high moments of prayer and our lowest of lows. And I'm actually through this book, hoping to reconcile those two. Hey, let's have this more consistent relationship with God. So we say it in the book, prayers are first response, not our last resort. And you talk about, and I love how you capture what Paul talks about in praying continually. And it's not just a moment set aside in the morning, which we will talk about, but it's this continual part of your eyes always turning towards the Lord. How did that begin to work out in your journey? Yeah, First Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. That's right. Well, that's not even possible. Well, maybe it is. Mm. If, mm. <laughs> if you are having this ongoing conversation, I liken it to how most of us text our friends. So most of those are one sentence, two sentence, maybe. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, was that meal good? Are you back yet? You know, so we tend to have this ongoing conversation with people with our phones. I think God would like to have that same type. In fact, I think he would prefer quantity over quality mm. any day. I think he would just love to know that he's on your heart. So I offer to people, hey, why not just throw up these one sentence prayers throughout the day? I mean, I'm, not, I'm all for having this moment in the morning, having a quiet time or having a devotional life. But also, I think that God would love to hear from you, you know, throughout the day. Hey, Lord, I'm getting ready to step into this meeting. I'm really a little anxious about it. I'm asking you to be with me. Mm. Amen. I mean, that was a very simple, you know, 15-second prayer that I bet meant a lot to God right before you entered that meeting. Or, God, hey, before I send this email that I've just composed, would you just add, test my heart and tell me if I, if did I do it right, Lord? And, I, and I've had God show me, go, you know what? That quicken in my spirit, Mike, this is 
is that was a little too harsh. Why don't you just, why don't you soften it? And mm. I go back and rewrite it and send it. So I think God would prefer this ongoing conversation. I like to have them in the car, in the shower. I love my conversations with God on the way home from work. Uh, I love my, to start the day. So I think there are things that we can do like that, that actually will bring a vibrancy, yeah. a reality, a, a relational aspect uh, to our relationship with God. What do you think, you know, we live in an anxious world. I mean, every yeah. everybody sitting out there, they're busy and they're time crunched and things are hard. It is a tough, it's a tough world to lead in. What do you think that would do for their anxiety levels and their stress levels if they learned to turn towards the Lord, not just once a day, but on an ongoing basis? What do you think it would do for how people just feel life? Oh, I know what it would do. It would be, it would feel like an 18 wheeler backing up to the place it's delivering all its good and it's offloading them. That's good. And just emptying that load. And you still have that trailer behind you, but it doesn't have all that weight on it anymore. And, you know, the Bible says in first Peter to cast your cares mm -hmm. on the Lord. So that gives this, the, 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 the Greek word literally means to throw, it literally means to hurl them, to let them go. And one of the things I tell people is that it, uh, our problems can't be ours and God's at the same time. That's good. He's not working in a partnership with us. He wants you to offer them to, to him, Get, you know, and we say, Lord, give me this day, my daily bread, but here, God, I submit my will to you, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. And I'm releasing all of this uh, to you. And I think it's one of the healthiest things that we can do is Lord, here's my day. Here are my concerns. Here's what I'm going to give you, and I'm going to ask for your help throughout the day. And I actually physically do it, Mike. When I pray, I actually make a fist with my hands, and I say, Lord, here, here's everything that's concerning me. And, Lord, now I open my hands, mm -hmm. and I'm letting it go. I'm going, to, I'm going to cast my cares on you because I know you care for me. And Philippians chapter 4 says, if we'll do that, if we'll offer our prayers, petitions, requests, and do it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving means you know he's going to do it in a way where you'll already, you'll thank him so That's that right. you can thank him in advance. So I'm going to give you this, and I'm going to go ahead and thank you in advance because I know you're at work with it. The Bible says in Philippians 4, the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will now guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Well, who in the world wouldn't want that? That's right. That you're out there living life now with a guarded heart with the peace of God, take that anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Take right. that worry, right? So it, it is It is the prescription that God's given to us for uh, worry and anxiety. Is that getting easier or harder for you as you get older? I mean, you're a seasoned leader now. What would you say? Oh, it's definitely easier because I have a history with God who's been faithful. I mean, I still have anxiety, don't get me wrong, and I have days where I'm you know, overly worried, but I've done it for so long now um, it's like sitting in this chair. I've done it before to know that it's going to hold me up. I could plop down in it and I know it's not going to break because I've done it so many times before. And I have such a reliance. You know, the greatest predictor of God's faithfulness is his, is his past faithfulness. Mm. Uh, you know, so when you see what he has done, you know what he will do. And so absolutely. And for some people who have never done it before, it is a it is a leap. You know, it's a it's a faith leap to trust God with things that you cannot see. You don't know that he's at work, but he absolutely is working on our behalf. 
you know, you talk in the book, and I love you use a word that I thought was really interesting. You talk about tethering our life with God, how prayer tethers us. What is it that we can get when we feel tethered? We begin that relationship with God. It's a real relationship. It's there. But what can prayer do to tether it that makes us feel different about that relationship? Well, let's talk about the opposite of that. So the opposite of being tethered is to be compartmentalized. So God, I'll have you away over here. I'll come visit you for a little while on a Sunday. I might spend some time with you in the morning and read your word. But now I'm going to leave you there, and I'm going to go out and live my life. I'll check back in with you next Sunday or maybe tomorrow morning. And that's why for us, for a lot of us, we're wondering, well, where did God go? No, no, no. God is where you left him. That's right. <laughs> God, God didn't go anywhere. <laughs> God is exactly the last place you left him. But what if you brought God with you? And that's mm. why I'm trying to encourage people to not make prayer this moment in the morning You know, what would it look like if you are praying in the car, praying uh, before the meeting, praying after the meeting, praying on the way home, praying before you take that test, praying, you know, whatever you're dealing with throughout your life. That's what I mean by tethered life. And it is and it really is the, the the relationship that God wants us to have with him. You know, the the benediction of Second Corinthians 13, it says, I want you to know the the grace of Jesus and the love of the father but may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. There is this, there's this walk with the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, that we can have where he is called alongside us. That's literally the Greek word for his name is the one who's called right there to be right alongside with you. In fact, one picture of that word in the Greek is that you pick up the, the, the end of one log, he picks up the other end. So that Think about that through everything that I go through throughout my day, that I have someone there to help me pick up the other end of that log. And that's a tethered, close relationship. And I still submit we have it with other people. So you have it with your buddies that you're you're saying, hey, man, how was that hunt this past weekend? How's, how's, How's work going today? We're tethered to a lot of things. Let's just get tethered to God, too. You know, it's funny. I was on a call with a, one of your church members the other day on a scouts coaches uh, Zoom call, about 80 guys on there. And there's a legendary coach in the SEC baseball at Kentucky. Coach Madison is in the Hall of Fame. And he said, I remember early in my coaching career, I said, I, I want to put God first. And the problem was I spent 10 hours a week with the Lord. And I spent 70 hours on a baseball field and time with my family. And he said, I had an old mentor tell me, no, put God first everywhere you are. And he said, it was like the light bulb came on. It wasn't my relationship with God's here and everything else is here. Exactly. There is no secular and sacred. It is one life. If people could get that, what could change about the influence in our world that believers could have if they went, Oh, so I, yes, he's with me all the time. What could change about our influence? Well, it's going to change because we're going to walk with a new level of confidence, That's right. uh, influence, uh, power, uh, peace. I mean, we have when you have God with you, <laughs> let me remind you that this is what the angels said. When, I, when Jesus comes to earth, his name will be Jesus, but that's not what they're going to call him. They're going to call him Emmanuel because he's going to have this unique quality 
that you actually need because you've only known this God in heaven. You've only known this 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 higher power, people call it. No, no, no. He's going to be right here with you and among you. He's God with us. And of course, when Jesus left the earth, one of those final messages was, look, I'm not going to be here any longer, but I'm not going to leave you orphaned. That's right. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit because you need a God who is still with you. You don't, we don't need a God in heaven. We need a God right here helping us through our lives. You made a statement in the book. It's one of my favorite quotes in the book. You said, when you pray first, your faith matures and you bear the spiritual fruit God has planted in you. Why do you think prayer unlocks that in our journey like nothing else can? Well, because it invites God prayer, but, but prayer is really not telling God what you want. It's aligning your heart with his will. So the more I pray, I may go in there thinking, I'm just going to offload my, my latest, you know, prayer request or my wish list for God. But the more I pray the way God shows us to pray and the, and I, and I give the models that are in the Bible That's that right. show us how to pray. There's these parts of asking for forgiveness. There's these places of of opening your heart and your will to the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Well, you do that every day. Like a prayer, for instance, Mike, I pray every single day of my life is out of Psalm 139. Lord, would you search me and would you know me? And would you test my thoughts and see if there's any anxious way in me? And Lord, would you point out an area of my life that might be offensive to you? And would you lead me in a way of everlasting? That's the last verse of Psalm 139, pray it every day of my life. Well, what's going to happen to a person <laughs> if year after year after year after year, you're asking God, God, is there anything in there that's offending you? Mm. Is there a thought that bothers you? And I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in me. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to grow. We're going to mature because he's going to show us and we're going to talk to him about it. And we're going to repent of the things that need to be repented of. And we're going to ask him to put inside of us things that we don't have that we need. And, and, and it's not a one moment process. You know, we, the Bible talks about, we, we get closer and become more like Jesus from glory to glory. It's an incremental moment by moment, day by day. And that's the power of every day kind of starting our day. Um, the way I like to say it, Mike, is we start our day low. We start our day on our face. A man, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Uh, I, I must decrease. You must increase. Think about starting a day like that. You know, I'm ready to go take the hill, but I'm starting starting off by saying, God, but I can't take that without you. I'm, oh, I am what I am by the, only by the grace of God. Man, you're going to grow and mature in levels you never dreamed. And I hold that out there to your listeners right now like a carrot, that if you're dissatisfied with who you are and you're the exact same person you've been for the last years and it seems like nothing changes, this may be one of the things that could that could really put you into that that growth phase, that that place where you're getting the better version of yourself. And I think it comes and it begins by a healthy prayer life. Who's somebody that you've seen model this well in your life? Who is somebody you've been able to look to in your personal, maybe it's another pastor, maybe it's somebody at Highlands or a family member that you go, they set they set a bar for me that I want to achieve. Anybody stand out to you? Oh, it's in, in very clear to me. And it's it's my own pastor since I was 15 years old and I'm 59 right now and he's still my pastor. Um, and it's Larry Stockstill, my pastor from Baton Rouge, where I'm from. 
and he's the most he's the prayingest man I know. And he taught me these models of prayer that I share in the book. And then he invited me into his prayer times. I used to go, Mike, I, he showed up at the church on Sunday mornings at 4 a.m. to pray from four to seven, three hours. And I thought I was doing good just to, you know, break the 15, 20 minute mark, you know, of time with God. And year after year, I watched this man spend time and literally commune with God and have a conversation with God. And even for me, just observing and watching and learning, uh, the time would fly by because I saw, wait, wait a minute, this is what it looks like to have a dynamic, intimate friendship with the Lord. So, and then just, he just had a, he had just had a, a sense of humility that I think is so important in prayer. And then a, a focus. Uh, one of the things that I think is so important uh, when, when you're learning from models, like I learned from, he knew why he was there. He knew he was there, not just to, you know, to, to get more of God's peace and to off, offload your latest prayer requests. But the Bible talks about us really stepping into this role of an intercessor hmm. that I'm now the, I'm like a person between God and the world. And I'm there pleading the case of the world to God um, and, and praying and then turning to my world and speaking the case of God to the world. The Bible says we stand as intercessors. I want you to make intercession for all people, for kings and those in authority. So he taught me even how to go into that place with a very clear prayer list of things that I'm going to intercede and cover. So I have, for instance, I have a whole page of friends that I will call out their name every day of my life, and they get covering my family, of course. And then I pray over my my different levels of authority, praying over civil authority. I pray for parental authority, workplace or school place if you're a student authority, and then finally spiritual authority, and just naming their names. God, today I pray for our president. I pray for my governor. Lord, today I pray for every police officer. God, today I'm praying for my pastor. Lord, I bless my mom and my dad. Lord, my employer, I speak a blessing over the company. I speak a blessing over my, my boss today. And just learning, he taught me how to go into it with this with, I come in with literally pages hmm. of material that I would love to spend time with God, God with. And honestly, Mike, most of the times, the time that I have to spend with God runs out before I even finish the list, wow. which I think is one of the solutions to help people learn how to pray is I'm actually know what I'm there to do and I'm prepared for it. I'm not just going in with a kumbaya kind of attitude and <laughs> Okay, let's see what's on my mind today. And okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, Lord, I love you and bless me. You know, thank you for this day. Everybody thanks God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this day, you know, and all your blessings. And no, 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 it's very directed, very purposeful. And I think that's what brings a lot of meaning to it. And that's what he taught me. And what I love about that, Pastor Chris, is people outside the church world go, well, that's what y'all get paid to do. That's that should come most naturally to you guys, but you have a very demanding schedule. How intentional, because I know you talk about priority and prayer. How much have you made priority in how you even calendar your day? Talk about that a little bit. Well, I think God listens to your prayers and hears your prayers and responds to your prayers whenever you pray them. Mm -hmm. But this clear in the Bible <laughs> that first of all, Jesus did this. The, uh, the psalmist David did this. I mean, all throughout the scripture, you see, I will start my day early in the morning 
while it was still dark, Jesus got up, went to a solitary place where he prayed. So there's something about this starting your day. And so for me to answer that question, yes, I have a very demanding schedule in life, but there's not a single day of my life that does not begin first with God. And that includes if I have a 530 a.m. flight, I'm still I'm still going to give God at least 15 minutes to Mm -hmm. get in the word and to worship and to pray. I will not start my day without time with God. And so I think uh, for me, what I do, Mike, is I just, I, I don't start my calendar day or my appointment day until later in the morning so that I can have those first hour or so with the Lord. And I encourage every person to do that. That's especially important for, you know, parents with small children, um, um, business leaders who are listening to this right now, who you get up and man, you're just barely getting all the kids out of the school on time. And then you're, you're going to live your day and you come home and there's homework. We have to learn how to go to bed earlier. We have to le- learn how to rise a few minutes before our kids do, or we'll never have that kind of closeness. And that's really, there's something beautiful about the morning because it says you get a fresh start. That's right. And you get that sun rising and you hear the birds chirping and there's just something about the freshness and the newness. Uh, You know, great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Lamentation says great is thy faithfulness. And there's just something about that part of the day that I would encourage everybody to try to make a priority. You know, I remember Pastor Chris being a college student at Liberty and I know you've got Highlands College there, and you're such an influence. And I remember being a 19-year-old kid just up there to play baseball. I'm not up there for necessarily a Christian education. I went up there to play, and and I remember Dr. Falwell got up at 4 a.m. every morning. And yeah. his comment was, how can I make decisions that affect thousands of lives without first seeking the Lord's heart? And I'll never forget it. I mean, that that was a marking statement in my life. And you think about Jesus's ministry. He did such a great job breaking out Jesus's ministry, how he went alone to pray. I wonder how many times he may have missed something if he hadn't have sought his father before he got out. Why do you think the Bible wanted us to know even Jesus made it a priority to get alone and spend time with his father? Yeah, Jesus, you know, in his earthly ministry, he was he was hundred percent God while at the same time being a hundred percent man, and so uh, he already is God. So when you say he went to spend time with the Father, yes, he did, and we know according to Acts that through that time he was f- empowered through that closeness with God with the Holy Spirit. God anointed. Jesus. You would think, well, I thought Jesus was already anointed. He was, but he was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit so that he could go about doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. Cause God was with him. We see that, but Jesus was doing two things. He was not only doing it, but he was also setting an example for all of us. For instance, the baptism of Jesus, he obviously baptism recognizes the fact that our sins are washed away and Jesus was sinless. So why did Jesus get baptized? He was setting for us an earthly example. So the point being, everything that Jesus did in his routines, you know, it says he went to church and the synagogue on, you know, as was his custom. So even that was a routine in his life. Everything that Jesus made as a routine, we ought to put into our routine. Mm-hmm. We need to put those same things in our life. And I think Jesus was setting the example that before I do this, 
before I begin my ministry, before I begin my day, before I go to the cross. He, you know, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's right. He always set the example of this priority, the the first things, and that's honestly why I named the book pray first. There's something powerful about making this a priority in our lives. You talk about the place of prayer. How important is it for people to understand that a place matters? You know, that it's not just a happenstance. Well, one day I'm doing it running out to the car while I'm eating a Pop-Tart or whatever. How important is that place for you in your journey? It's very important, and it's not exclusive, so it's not the right. only place you can pray, but I think there's something special about a prayer closet. For me, it's a prayer chair that I have in our basement that overlooks the window so I can see the sunrise when I'm praying. It's a it's a private place. It's a quiet place. I laid it in these days, Mike, just recently in the last two years or so, really since covid I've started prayer, prayer walking. I, I go and take quiet walks. We have a place where I can go have a kind of more of a trail type of a walk. And I just enjoy the, the being out in nature. And, and for me, you know, um, anybody that's high activity natured, yeah. and moving your body tends to help. I'll just give you a little pro tip there that it, the, the, the more still you are, if you're an active type person, and I have a, tendency toward action and I'm a task oriented person. So I love pacing when I pray. If I'm in my, my, my room, I enjoy walking when I pray, but it's finding those, not only that prayer place, but that prayer posture. That's right. You know, that I'm, I'm taking these different approaches uh, to what my body is, is doing so that my mind can stay focused and I can stay energized uh, throughout it. But all of that is very important. And mine is very set up. So the another advantage to having a prayer place is I, that's where I have all my prayer guides. That's right. That's where my prayer lists are. So that if I want to go through these names, because I love to pray for you know certain leaders and names, and we I I print these up every time leadership changes in our nation or in our you know in our in our state. I loved having like I have all the mayors names of every city in Alabama where we have a campus. That's right. So I can pray over the mayor of Auburn, mayor of Tuscaloosa. I want to pray over the mayor of Montgomery and their names were there. So, so I have all my lists, you know, I have my Bible, I have my journal. So that it, your prayer place can become, become this place that's even equipped to have. When I was younger, when we first started the church, I had a big old map of Birmingham and I used to point to neighborhoods. God, give us that neighborhood in Jesus name. Oh God, give us that neighborhood. Oh Lord, this one down South, give us that neighborhood, you know, and, and, and it gave me a visual. So I think all of that's important to setting up a, a prayer place to make that's prayer good. more effective. That's so good. You know, you, you made a statement, you said, don't just pray first, plan to pray first. That's right. a great statement because it, the intentionality behind it drives it, doesn't it? It does. So for instance, I don't take uh, breakfast appointments. You can't get a breakfast with me. Now I'll, I'll give you a lunch. I'll give you a dinner, whatever. I, Lord knows I love to eat, but, but, but I, that's God's time. I'm not, I'm not starting the day rushing out the door to go have a breakfast meeting without having my first time with God. So, um, and that's not to say I've never had a breakfast meeting. I'm just saying as a, as an ideal, as a, as a rule, and I think we just have to set up our own calendars in that way so you can plan to pray first. How do you think we've almost been trained to minimize the power of prayer? I think all of us know prayer exists. We know that prayer is a good thing. How do you think we've minimized what could happen 
with the power behind prayer? I think we how we minimized it is that we're really good at what we do now. So we can get a lot done without God. And I, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, I know how to build a church without God. Sure. It would be a terrible church. It, but I, but I know, I know how to do some things. I could speak without God's anointing. I, I've got, I've got 22 years worth of notes. I could just go read them to you, right? But who in the world wants to do that? Who wants to just speak with no power behind it, without any conviction behind it? And, and so I think we have a tendency to say, you know what, I can do that, and that's why we wait until what we do fails before mm-hmm. God ever, you know, hears from us. And I'm just. De- I'm just determined not to ever do that. I, I, I think we we can become so self-reliant, so self-dependent, which is why the, the most one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible was the one that John the Baptist prayed, I must decrease, you must increase. I have ability, but I'm not going to lean on it. And to illustrate that and to demonstrate that, Mike, what we that's why we start our year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because I'm saying, God, I'm not, I'm not going to start the year with an action. I'm going to start the year pushing the plate away, seeking your face and saying, I'm dependent upon you. And I have plans. I'm pretty excited to get to them. But my plans cannot succeed without God's help and God's power. So I'm going to give to you first. It's similar to the tithe. I'm saying that I can spend this 100%. I can get a lot. I can buy a lot of things with it. But I'm saying to you, God, that I actually will have more than the 90% if I'll honor you with this 10%. And it doesn't even make sense in the natural that if I give 10% of a way that God somehow multiplies the 90 beyond the 100, and he does every time. That's what prayer does. If we'll just recognize, and I think it's the biggest enemy, especially in America. I think that's also, Mike, why, why you see miracles and faith People of receiving faith easier in places sure. where they're more desperate. You see way more miracles. You see the, the the move of God in places where people are have nothing in themselves, and everywhere where people are self reliant and self sufficient. God will actually let you try, <laughs> and you'll quickly find out. Oops, I should have brought God along with this and honored Him at the beginning. You know, you do such a great job in the book, Pastor Chris, on talking about the different plans of prayer and the prayer and fasting. It is, it is so good. And it's so easy. It is so easy to read. And I'm so excited about people picking this up. My final question to you today is when, when I ask you who is an influence to you in prayer, it was immediate. I mean, you didn't even hesitate. You knew. One day when somebody's sitting on somebody's podcast and they go, name somebody who was a prayer warrior for you. And somebody thinks of you, Hmm. that young man that grew up at Highlands College or at one of your campuses. What do you want the legacy you've left in prayer to say to generations? They're going to come way after we're just in a Wikipedia file. What do you want that legacy of prayer to be left by you to look like? I want them to say he wasn't that good. And yet he was that good. Like, right. I wanted them to say, we, we know, we know him and, and everything that God accomplished under his stewardship was bigger than him. And that it was, it screams, it's, it's, it, it, it testifies to the world 
Wait a minute. We saw it. We saw it firsthand in a guy who was a, a C student from the state of Louisiana who really didn't carry any natural ability or skill, who failed his speech class. And I communicate for a living now, like who failed a speech class in college, who made a D in English, and now I write books, who obviously had this dynamic that a lot of people they don't like this word, Mike, but it's the word prosper in the in the Old Testament because people don't like that. You know, are you a prosperity? Well, not like you're thinking about it. No, I'm not. Yeah. But I am like this definition, like the Bible's definition, because the word prosper means that you go to a certain point and you can get there on your own, but then God pushes you forward. Mm. God pushes you to a place that was beyond your own ability, that was beyond your own influence, was beyond your own anointing was beyond your own blessing. And, 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 and so we look around all the time and this is not a lie. We look around at ourselves here. I'm talking about the upper leadership and we look around here and we go, we're not this good. We, we know, we know when we're, we're in something where God just supernaturally decided to bless it. And that's what I would want him to say is that we knew him and man, we saw it happen inside of him. And then finally, I would want them to say, what, what what I wanted my contribution to be is I think the world is sufficiently inspired, but that he equipped us. Mm-hmm. He didn't, didn't, he just didn't bark from the pulpit, pray, 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 pray. Come on, pray, get on your knees and pray. No, no, no. He gave them tools. He gave them resources and he took complex things and made them simple. So everybody could do it. That's what I want my legacy to be. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. I, I'm going to ask you, and I, I hope you'd be willing to do this. We've got on this call today business leaders, lots of business leaders, lots of people in schools and government. We have tons in the athletic community, lots of professional in the professional organizations to collegiate athletics. Would you mind praying over them today to close us and just praying over them and their leadership and their seeking of God in prayer? There's four words that I pray over myself every day. And it's, it, it, I wrote about it in the book. It's called the prayer of Jabez, four words. And it's what I pray over your audience today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for every listener right now. And God, only you know what, what they're going through and what they're dealing with. And God, all of us know that we can't live our life without you and without your help. And Lord, I pray right now four words. I pray the blessing of God, that God, you would not just meet their need, that you would give them more than they need so that they can give it away, so that they can be a blessing to the world around them. So bless them. Lord, I'm asking you to increase their sphere of influence, God, their territory, God, whether it be in their business or their family. Lord, you always wanted us to enlarge ourselves and to to reach our full potential. And I speak the influence of God over their life. God, I thirdly pray that your hand would be upon them, that you would bless them and anoint them, God, that you would just favor them with your presence. Because God, what you've given to us is too big for us. We can't do it without your help. And Lord, finally, I pray that you protect them from every attack of the enemy, every place where the enemy has tried to sidetrack them or to interrupt or to cut a ditch in their road to try to Keep them from what's best for their life. I pray for your protection. So in Jesus' name, I speak blessing, influence, presence, and protection in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. That was rich. You know, there's people who can write about prayer, 
and there's people that share from their overflow from prayer. And I believe we got a little of the overflow from Pastor Chris's life. This is a book you want on your shelf. This is a book you want to share with your friends because if we can figure out prayer, boy, a lot of life will really begin to clear up. And, uh, man, I'm going to be a better person for my time in Pastor Chris's book and my time getting to spend with him on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Leave a rating and review because it does help us. And, man, that is just some good stuff for somebody where they're at in their journey. Well, in our next episode, we're going to keep it strong. We're going to talk about what it means to overcome with Anne. Byler. And you may not go, you may go, I don't know Ann Byler. Well, you probably know Annie Ann's pretzels. You've seen them in malls all across America, but way beyond the brand that she created is a story of overcoming that is going to blow you away. I cannot wait to join you again in the next episode of Lynch with a Leader. Well, thanks again for joining today. Now go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.